Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Modern Data Show. Our guest today is Michel Tricord, who is the CEO and co-founder of Airbyte, an open source data integration platform with the vision to commoditize data integration. Airbyte stands a total valuation of about $1.5 billion after four rounds of funding led by investors like Altimir Capital, Thrive Capital, Salesforce Capital, Salesforce Ventures, Benchmark, Excel and SV Angels. Uh, before founding Airbyte, Michel was the head of integration at LiveRamp where he managed over a thousand integrations. Welcome to the show, Michel. Hi, Ayush. Thank you so much for having me. So, Michel, let's start with uh, the very basic question. Can you help us understand what exactly Airbyte is and what's the story of, uh, you know, what's the story behind starting Airbyte? Yeah. So, what is Airbyte? It's very simple. It pipes between any kind of sources where you have data to any destination where you want to be able to leverage that data. And like what we see in every company is, uh, is they have data everywhere. They have data in SaaS products, they have data on files, they have data in databases and spreadsheets, et cetera. And there's an infinite places where companies can have data. And what we're doing with Airbyte is just connecting all these little data silos and we help them move it in a place where they can run analytics. They can send this data to operational system. And this is what Airbyte is all about, going from point A to point B. The story behind Airbyte is, so first of all, as you, you said, I have always been in the data space. I started my career in 2007. I was first working on like financial data, like bringing data across like a lot of uh, analysts and companies and trying to get that data back to traders and, and other. And then I moved to the US in 2011 and I started at this company called LiveRamp. And there, this is really when I discovered like the, like the scale of how many silos you can have. And I was, fortunate enough to just build a system that was powering the, the Airbyte uh, product. And that was allowing LiveRamp to just connect to all the marketing and ad tech ecosystem. So making sure that people can send the data where they can leverage it. It's a very hard problem because these integrations, they break all the time. So it's both like a technical challenge and a people challenge. And going out of LiveRamp, I also realized that the, the world of data was changing. So before companies that were doing data were big data companies. They had a Hadoop cluster, they had a Spark cluster. So they had to be very data savvy. But with warehouses and modern warehouses, suddenly any company can do data. Like you're using BigQuery, you're using Snowflake, you're using Redshift, you're using any kind of data warehouse. They are easy to use. They scale. Anyone can just go write some SQL and do something with data. And from there, you realize, okay, well, that's cool. You have a very efficient, very approachable system for processing data. The question is like, how do you actually fit data into it? And that's when we got this idea of, of Airbyte, which is taking everything we've learned from like very data savvy companies and bringing it to a much larger audience. And in a way that it's simple to use, simple to uh, extend. And uh, that, that was the story behind why we started Airbyte. Amazing. And you know, when you started Airbyte back in 2020, there were already a ton of data integrations tool out there. It's, it's a pretty well-established space, actually. And if you look at ETL and ELT as a space overall, by 2020, it was a pretty mature space altogether. What do you think was primarily missing in whatever tools that were out there that led you to start this company? I know all the challenges around ETL and everything, but what was missing out there in the world that made you start this? Yeah. So people like to think that ETL and ELT is fully mature. The thing is, 
it's mature for a very small subset of places where you have data, which is, yes, you can go to, uh, to another company and they will have like, I don't know, 50 connectors that allow you to pull data from Salesforce, from HubSpot, et cetera, et cetera. The thing is, and these are mature, they work. Like you can go, you can use them and boom, you will get your data. The problem is the moment you need to customize these connectors, meaning that for some reason they decided that they were not going to import this particular data from Salesforce or this particular field in a, in a record, then what do you have to do? You, you have to ask them, please add this new feed of data, add this new field. Or, and if they don't, and you need it for your business, then what are you going to do? You're just going to be rebuilding it on the side and recreating your own custom homebrew connector. And the other one is around the long tail. Like today we have so many SaaS services. Like if you look at companies, they go from like, I don't know, they start with one SaaS service that they are using, then they have 10, then they have 20, then they have 100. It's very hard to address this long tail of data connectors. And the moment you have to pull data, I don't know, any kind of like random SaaS service, you will need to pull that data because you want to have this 360 view of your customers, for example, or you need to get that for your finance analytics, then you're going to ask your team, build a connector for this particular SaaS service that the platform we're paying does not have. And so that's why I, I like to challenge the fact when people say it's mature because it's mature, but just for a very small subset. And what we wanted to do with Airbase is really focus on the extensibility and the long tail. And that was really the, the motivation behind Airbyte is, can we build a platform and a mechanism that allows a product that does ETM and ELT to have these two components, long tail and extensibility? Uh, right, right. And I think so. this is something that you guys have been pretty vocal about. We have seen your investor decks, love them, by the way, they were amazing. And, you know, a couple of core value proposition that kind of stood out on those decks was one, the open source way in terms of, you know, as you said, addressing this long tail of connectors. And second, giving back the power back to the organization on running their data integration processes. Now, a couple of things have changed since those decks, right? So one is change in your licenses second the move towards airbyte cloud and to some it might seem like airbyte moving towards a kind of a managed service a kind of the whole paradigm it kind of stood against with right so help us understand both of these points the change in li your licenses and the move to airbyte cloud yeah that's a that's a good question so the first thing i would say is one of the core methodology that we have at Airbyte is what we call community driven. And I, I think, you know, there have been different model of open source. You have like the Linux type of model where it's something that is hundred percent community driven, but then you have companies like Red Hat and other that are going to take a huge chunk of the, the development and that are going to be monetizing Linux. Uh, same thing for Kubernetes. Uh, and you have other types of open source projects. And here I'm thinking about the Mongo's, Elastic, Airbyte, where we have, there is a reason why it's open source, but at the same time, we're also building a company and a, uh, and a business on top of open source. And that's, that is normal. And that's something we've always said the moment we started Airbyte, which is we will always have 
Airbyte open source, and there will be an Airbyte that is a paid version. It's something that we've always said. It's we have our public handbook, and you can find that in our strategy. And the way we're seeing open source is open source is here to create the standard. So for us, the standard is how do you build connectors? It's how do you provide the core feature to exchange data? Now, what we want to have on cloud is more like what goes above the standard, which is how do you add features around, I don't know, privacy on data? How do you add like user management? How do you do like role permissioning? I mean, as an open source user, you might, you, you probably won't need this, but as an organization, you will need this. So our goal is just empowering small teams and individuals with open source, but empowering organization with the paid version. And if you think about it, we, we have to support open source and the way we can do it is if we can make revenue. So that's, that is one of the reasons why it's so important for us. And these have been models that have worked like Terraform is, uh, sorry, Ashikorp is very much like that where they have open source, but they're also building cloud services on top of it. Same thing for, for Elastic and others. So it's a model that has proven to work and it's not because you have a paid product that open source is a second class citizen, quite the opposite. It's just one powers the other and the other one powers the other. So, uh, amazing. So, you know, Michel, a uh, quick question on, on the licensing. What are the things people cannot do with the license? Can you help people understand the things they cannot do with uh, the open source air, air bike? Yeah. So first of all, just let's break down how we've applied the license. So we added a little bit of complexity on the repo because we wanted to only change the license on a specific piece of it. So typically, if you look at connectors, which is basically the standard, this is MIT. And also, we want to give the freedom to our community to decide what license they want to use for uh, connectors when they create it. The place where we went for elastic uh, license, so actually what we wanted is we wanted to keep the same is of adoption for companies to use Airbyte. So we did, we want to, we wanted to have as few limitations as possible. The main limitation you get from Elastic is that you cannot take Airbyte and create a company that sells Airbyte as a cloud service. That's the main limitation. And the reason is it's, it's simple is we want that revenue to help us power the project. Okay. So does that mean, can there be other SaaS businesses who are not competing with Airbyte in terms of selling whole Airbyte as a solution, but let's say building more capabilities on the top of the whole data integration, but their core data integration pipeline is supported by Airbyte. Is that allowed? It is allowed. As long as you don't expose like the, the Airbyte API, the Airbyte uh, UI and things like that. So. I mean, there are companies who do that today and it's, it's fine. They are just using Airbyte open source as their like connectivity layer. It's okay. It's just, it's more like the backend engine more than what they are exposing to their customers. That, that, that's, that's good to know. And it's because also their product is probably not an ETL product. It's we are building an analytics product and to do this analytics, we need to have this connectivity layer and that's perfectly fine. 
परफेक्ट सो इज दैट ऑल्सो द रीजन वाई योर रेपो कनेक्टर रेपो आर स्ट्रक्चर्ड अराउंड लाइक अ मोनो रेपो वर्सेज यू नो काइंड ऑफ अ मल्टीपल रेपो वेर लाइक लाइक सिंगर वेर यू हैव डिफरेंट रेपो फॉर डिफरेंट टैप्स एंड टारगेट्स इज दैट द रीजन फॉर दैट सो द मोनो रेपो इज मोर यू नो वी स्टार्टेड every second at once so we started open source we started to build the community uh, at the same time and we also started to build this airbyte protocol at the same time and for us going for mono repo when we started it put all the eyeballs onto one single repo so it allowed us to just concentrate the community into a single point and it also allowed us to have more control as we were iterating on what the v1 should be because if suddenly we say you know what build airbyte connectors everywhere and tomorrow we decide you know what we've made a huge mistake at the beginning we want to fix it if it's spread across multiple repos it's too late but here because we have this mono repo we can decide ourselves to just say you know what we're going to change that across like the 250 uh, connectors that we have now is that going to be like that for in the future mm. it's a it's an ongoing conversation but yes there is something about like the decentralization of connectors that is interesting but today it allows us to just ensure that the direction of airbyte uh, that the airbyte goes in the right direction right and have you ever seen situations where you know do you wonder like if had these been connectors be separately you know kind of organized and uh, kind of uh, separate out from the core would it make it any easier for developers to contribute to them potentially yes potentially yes we we have some experiments we have like a, a small cli that we wrote that allows us to build a connector on a separate repo but to be clear today we we have a pretty high growth in terms of contribution and new connectors being created so i don't think it's uh it's it might be a little bit of friction but it's not yeah. like a wall on on that note michel talk about the cdk connector development kit like how did that come along and how's that even going yeah that's a very good question actually uh, <laughs> and uh, we so for us you know we released the cdk in may 2021 the moment we released it we started to have contributors and that, this is why we are open source it because we want to give a lot of ability for people to build on all these standards and to build the standard features which are connectors so we've put a lot of effort into cdk the first version of the cdk the one that has been running for the past year was code heavy meaning you can go you can write something in python it requires you to know a little bit of coding to understand apis etc now we are going for the the v2 of the cdk which is what we call the low code cdk and this one and we've seen it during octoberfest is just a game changer because Suddenly the only thing you need to write is a yaml file and you can cover I, I don't know today it's maybe like 30% of apis but as we will add more feature we'll get to 50% 70% etc but it just changes the rate of like how fast you can build but more importantly it removes a lot of pain when you're maintaining the connectors because now you don't have to read through code you don't have to understand the logic it's just okay this stream has changed let me just change this field in the yaml file so because that the maintenance is where the cost is so for us it's just giving something to the community so that they can start building and also make the best use of their time 
Yeah, and on on that note, Michelle, uh, you know, as they say, with great power comes great responsibilities. And how are you tackling the issue of reliability of these connectors? And you know, what are the basic arguments against the open source data integration solution is that connectors are not reliable, and it's easier to reach out to reach out to a vendor and essentially have a responsibility laid out to them to be able to address that problem. How are you tackling with that? Yeah, so. One thing that we've done with Airbyte since the beginning, and if, if we get, we collect a lot of telemetry on connectors. And when you're thinking about connectors, they are living organisms. They start simple and they grow to become more reliable. And that's what we call the thousand uh, paper cut program, meaning that if you write a connector, it will work for you. If I use your connector, it might work or it will break. If I want to use yours, I will have to go and I will have to tune it so that it also works for me. And bit by bit, you start building reliability. So I, we always consider that the first time you release a connector, it is not gonna be a good connector. But as more people are using it, you get the proof that it's you, it's working more and more. And if you see that this, this the usage is like plateauing, Maybe there is something that's blocking more users to you to, to do. And, you know, we have this certification process and a key metric on this process is how many users are using the connector. If it's only one, yes, you cannot say it's reliable. You can say it works for them, but you cannot say it's reliable. But when you get 50 people using a connector, you can say, yeah, yeah it worked. And the thing, the good thing is when you have 50 people using a connector and depending on the connector, if the connector fails, of these 50, the likelihood of someone going into the connector and fixing it is very, very high. And the moment they do, boom, 50 people yeah. have access to the new version and the fixed version of the connector. And the low-code CDK is going to help tremendously on that because now it takes you one minute to fix a connector. Yeah, and and how often like the the like if someone were to you know and please excuse me if that's a very stupid question, but how how frequently would you expect Airbyte Cloud to be updated with these connectors? If let's say if we find some connectors to be broken, and you know if if someone puts uh, you know some a pull request, how how soon they can get get it to fix on Airbyte Cloud? Yeah. Uh... First of all, there is no stupid question, only stupid answers. So I hope I won't give you a stupid answer. <laughs> no, uh, joke about. Uh, our goal is to have very, very fast turnaround. And that's also one why we're pushing so much on the local CDK is we also want to make sure that we can have this speed of like this speedy turnaround. And if you have the low code, doing a review is very simple because it's just generally it's gonna be one or two or three of Pauline. If it's code, then you need to also put a lot more effort on the security side. Is the, the are the libraries that are being used uh, uh, like malicious or are they good? Uh, or is the this little snippet of code, is it doing something that it shouldn't do? Whereas with low code, it's very simple. You can't do anything. It's just our framework behind the scene knows what to do with that demo file. So for us, it's just, yeah, the moment it's fixed, and if we also see the same problem on cloud, we need to take that change 
and we need to apply it to cloud. Yeah, L let's dive a little bit deeper on Airbag Cloud, right? And, uh, you know, I guess there is a chasm that every open source project needs to cross before kind of they pick up the cloud version. And would love to get some sense in terms of the challenges of building Airbag Cloud. Would love to get a little high level overview in terms of how does the architecture of Airbag Cloud even looks like? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I will have to describe an architecture. That's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first thing is, when we built Airbyte, we've been very um, specific about what dimensions we need to be scaling on. And you scale on connections, you scale on streams, and stream will be one type of data. And Maybe a later one is you stream on you you scale on partition. So if you push getting something from Kafka, for example, you probably need to have multiple workers working on the same uh, topic, but spread across partition. So these are the three dimensions, and we've always built Airbyte with this, whether it's for open source or whether it's for cloud. Now what we've done with cloud is we've really pushed a lot on Kubernetes because what we want is we want to create like a very cloud agnostic way of running Airbyte. And so the way it's architected is actually you have the control plane on one side, you have the data plane on the other side. Today, both of them run on Kubernetes, but the data planes can basically run on any kind of Kubernetes cluster. Um, and what happens when you issue a request to a connector, it's gonna spin up a new pod. And so if it's a replication job, it's gonna spin up the source, the worker, and the destination, and everything is gonna flow uh, between the source and the destination. If you're running a check command, you're gonna spin up a pod, just issue the, the check query, and that will return that to you uh, in the UI. Um, but overall, it's just, you have this very strict separation. And then you also have the connection to a KMS, like to manage secrets. Uh, this is something that is extremely key for cloud, and that's something that you can actually do also on open source. It's connecting Airbyte to a KMS. The advantage of having the data plane to be very separate is that we are going to be launching Airbyte in Europe. And for data privacy and regulation reason, we had to have the data planes to run over there. So what we've done is just, okay, we just go in Europe, we spin up an AWS uh, Kubernetes cluster, and boom, now we have Airbyte running over there. And it's always controlled by the same control plane, but the US never sees the, Euro the European data. Right. And, and you know, tell us a little bit more about, you know, the challenges when it comes to specifically around scaling. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's what the thing is. Today, every connection is its own job. Um, and oh, just just to be sure, you by by connection, do you mean a particular job within, uh, within a connection? Like for every batch, you are talking that that that's a connection. Yeah. So basically, a connection. Okay. No, the the connection is more abstract. It's more how do you configure a source to push data into a, a destination? That's what a connection is for me. Now, how it translates on the infrastructure is that that creates a pod, and that pods can run anywhere and. Because we're using Kubernetes, because we we can have as many data planes as we want, for us we can automatically balance where this pod is going to be run, whether it's for regulation reason or whether it's for like scale reason, and it can, 
it can run on our main Kubernetes cluster in the US or it can run on another one. So the, the only place where today we're working on that scale, another type of scale, which is the volume of data and the speed at which we want to replicate, that's a very different one. And that's when the second dimension of scaling comes into play. A big project that we had in Q3 is what we call the per stream state, meaning that now every type of record has its own state, meaning that now we can run, if we have 10 streams, we can run 10 jobs and they each going to be replicating this, uh, this, uh, this stream in parallel. And this is a very, very big deal. The other one is if one stream has a lot of data, how can we make that stream faster? And that's where we're also exploring uh, a binary protocol today. It's very based on JSON, which is extremely useful at the beginning of a project because you can debug very fast. But we want to go more for faster serialization and deserialization. That's where a lot of time is spent today. So that's all these aspects where we are scaling today. Nice, amazing, and you know another another uh, you know kind of thing that is very noticeable is you know Airbyte's focus on replicating data across cloud sources, right? That's that's where the majority has of the focus has been. But what we are also seeing in the industry, and you know, one of your competitors recently acquired a company that was more into you know the data databases replication through the CDC methodology, right? Uh, What's your thought on tackling that piece of the market in terms of the data replication where you are actually dealing with traditional uh, relational databases, replicating data across those traditional relational databases using CDC? What's your thought on that? Yeah. So, and that's where we have a huge advantage, both by the fact that we are open source and the fact that we have this concept of a data plane. Because the moment you start connecting your internal databases, then the red tape and the security aspect just rockets, uh, like goes uh, really, really high. And people are much more concerned. And for us, the way we see it is the data plane today, we can own it. But what we want is what if people own their data plane? So what? if we can have like the data plane to actually run directly within your infrastructure. It makes the security story a lot better. It makes the speed a lot better because now you don't have to go through from you to a SaaS service back to you. And so when you're talking about CDC, like the volume is gonna be high, the concerns around security are gonna be high and that's where we have a huge advantage. And today we have a lot of people that are actually using open source directly because we don't offer yet like the ability to have the, the data plane to run elsewhere uh, like on, on like customers uh, infrastructure but they're using open source and that's how they're doing it the moment we have it this is something that they will start uh, be able to use through cloud that's that's very interesting that's very interesting and that's actually very powerful you know now now that we think about it that's really powerful uh so michelle uh you know another thing you know you, you talked about community right you have got an amazing community you've got over ten thousand, you know members on on almost ten thousand people on your slack channel it's a great we community beat, we, we we beat ten thousand. Uh, ah nice two weeks ago <laughs> well, nice very nice so you know tell tell us about some of the unique cases some one of the most interesting or unexpected or innovative ways in which you have seen community using airbyte yeah so 
I have two two stories. One that has been instrumental in how we're developing the product. The other one, which I think is very, it's a very interesting use case. So the first one around how it has uh, changed the way we think about the product is we released Airbyte, and the first, the only use case we had in mind at the time was just doing analytics on your warehouse. Just you're using it for your own use case, and boom. Three weeks after we released it, people were asking us, okay, can we have an API so that we can actually offer Airbyte the connectivity layer for our customers? So it was an analytics company and they needed to pull data from Shopify, Stripe, etc. And they didn't want to build the connectors. They just wanted to offer these connectors to their, to their customers to power their product. So that was, at the time, it was an interesting use case. Now it seems like, oh yeah, okay, that, that makes complete sense. <laughs> the other one that was very fun is, People are using Airbyte to warm up caches and to refresh caches. So they had a Redis, uh, a Redis instance and they wanted to cache a database into Redis and they would just use Airbyte to replicate from database to, to Redis. Then this is not, you know, this is the kind of thing where if your infrastructure and your mission is you get data from point A to point B, well, you can do a lot of things with that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, uh, we've talked about a lot of cases where Airbyte can be incredibly helpful. Uh, I have two follow-up questions. One is, tell us when Airbyte is not the best option. And two, what is the hidden cost of ownership of Airbyte? Because one of the argument that comes from, from, you know, from commercial offerings versus open source is the hidden cost of ownership. So when is Airbyte a wrong choice? And how do you kind of, how do you justify this hidden cost of ownership of an open source platform like Airbyte? Yeah. So when is Airbyte not the, it, it depends. So if, we, if we're talking about open source, I would say if you have no, technical people in your company or people that are technical, but that cannot focus on the infrastructure, that's going to be a problem for you because you will have operation that you need to do. If you cannot tackle them, you should not use open source. But at the same time, that's why we have cloud. Like we are, we are the expert in operating Airbyte. And if for these users, yeah, maybe don't use open source and go on cloud. So you're trading people's time to, uh, like, cloud spend. In terms of the, the ownership, it always depends on what the company is optimizing for. The good thing about open source, okay, let's go back to the, the basis there. Data integration, in general, the default for companies is to build data integration. Because it's only, it always starts with one and you never see the value in buying if it's only one. With open source, we replace build. So we get into companies the moment they decide to build something. And that's, that is great. Um, so we're replacing their cost of building and we're replacing their cost of maintaining in exchange for the how to operate the system, but they would have operated anyway. So it, it, I would say the, the only argument for the, the, the cost is gonna be, should you go for cloud or should you build it yourself slash use open source? Um, That's why we're building this hybrid version of Airbus is it reduces the cost in exchange for you pay 
you pay us instead of paying people in the team to do the operation. But there is there will always be cost involved. I mean, whether it's your time that translates in, in the end into salaries or whether it's on cloud. It's just can we find the right balance between the two? Um, but it, it becomes an internal choice. It also becomes, you know, if you have like big security requirements around data can never go to a cloud service, then you have to do it internally and you have to pay people. And we are here to actually reduce this cost because we provide something that works out of the box. That that makes so much sense. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, uh, Michelle, you, uh, you know, Airbyte recently also acquired this company, Groparu, which is to power the reverse ETL capabilities. Are you bullish on reverse ETL? Very bullish on reverse ETL. Now, I would say it's a sequencing thing. Uh, I always see data as a pyramid. Airbyte as ETL, ERT is at the bottom, meaning we are helping companies build the fundamental of their data engine and their data system. Reverse ETL is at the top of the pyramid. It means that your organization has a level of maturity that allows you to actually use this data for very operational and business critical use case, meaning how are you going to reach out to people on HubSpot? How are you going to be affecting your sales process because now you're flagging or you're labeling customers differently. So there is, a, um, for me, it's a journey. And today, a lot of people are at the bottom. They are just starting to use data warehouses, understanding analytics, understanding DBT, understanding Airbyte. There is a little bit of delay before they start saying, oh yeah, that's great to have analytics. Now I have all this data that's been joined across multiple data sets. Let's send this data into Salesforce. That requires a level of maturity that not a lot of companies have. So for us, there is a timing thing where it is very important, but most of the market is still on the first quadrant of the pyramid. So we want to do reverse ETL. That's why we acquired uh, Gruparu. And actually what I really like about what they're doing uh, within Airbyte is that they are actually shaping decisions to make sure that we are not boxing ourselves in a way that will make it super hard to do reverse ETL. So they are influencing how the protocol should evolve so that we can do reverse ETL uh, easily. Yeah, and how's, how's the product integration coming along? Uh, the product integration, we're not doing the product integration. Okay, and so what's, what's the plan then? The plan is for them to just figure out with everything they know, how does that adapt to Airbyte? You know, sometimes when, when you do product acquisition, if this product has overlaps, the integration is very, very hard. And you spend a lot of time on integration, whereas sometimes just the knowledge is more powerful because you can build it faster and you don't have to live with the decision that you've made that you're trying to reshape into another system. Uh, right. Now, we, we, we'll see. The thing is, today we, we need to be the, the best at the foundation. We need to also look for the future, so make sure we make decisions that allow us to go for the future. Yeah. But today, we're not building reverse ETL per se, but this is something that we will do, uh, that we will do next year. And it's part of the rationale of going from point A to point B. Point B. Point B should be also an API. Yeah, so basically uh, for the near future, we should expect both products to separate, kind of exist independently and operate in an independent manner. Nice. So. Before we let you go today, uh, Michelle, tell us about what's next for Airbyte now. What what are the hot newcomings out of Airbyte now? Yeah, 
So first one is we're going to be releasing the low-code CDK both as a YAML file, but we're also building um, a UI on top of it. So something that will make it so easy to build connectors that I would be a, like 2023 is just going to be a massive ramp on like the coverage of the long tail. Yeah. The second one is we need to focus on the scale of high volume data sources. And we had a lot of groundwork that we had to do. And this is going to come to fruition in the next, uh, in the next quarters. And the other one is cloud doing hybrid. This is uh, a very important project for us. Uh, and yeah, I mean, for us, it's really continue to grow the community, continue to also provide more valuable content about what the data world is, where it's going. Um, and I mean, we're really providing a lot of uh, support to, uh, to the data community on, yeah, what does yeah. it mean to be a data engineer? What are all these different concepts in the data world if you want to get into it? And just helping the community to grow and helping company to just become extremely solid with data. Nice. Amazing. So uh, thank you so much again, Michelle, for taking our time for this one. We all love Airbyte. We are super, super thrilled to see the kind of journey that you guys have made in past couple of years. And we wish you all the best for your future.